Deuteronomy 32. If you would turn there, please, to get us started in our topic of um, understanding truth. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Would you notice with me, please, verses 3 and 4. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. Notice now this reference to who God is. A God of truth. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That uh, reference to the Lord as being the God of truth really sets the pace for us as we spend a few moments considering uh, truth as found in the word of God. Uh, A definition of truth, we want to just start by thinking of that. Truth is that which corresponds to fact and reality. Truth is that which responds to is cor- or corresponds to fact and reality. And uh, we're living in a day of much lying and deceit in our culture. And uh, sometimes it's approved of by people in society. There's some areas of the media that are called fake news because they do not accurately report things which have happened and this is very sad and it does happen in fact probably far too often but we're living in a society where um, lying and we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a few minutes uh, is acceptable to some it's interesting when you think about it there's been a lot of lies told about God himself in fact Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called Ten Lies About God. And I thought I'd read these because um, we get them in our thinking and uh, we can say, yeah, when we hear something, uh, that that's not really what the Word of God says. And, of course, the standard for truth is the Bible, the Word of God, right? Absolutely. So uh, let's uh, just think about these just briefly. Uh, The Ten Lies About God. The first one he mentions is... uh, God is whatever we think him to be. Uh, And you will find some people from time to time who will say, well, my God would never do this. Well, the question is not what do you think God might do. The question is what does the word of God say he will do. Um, Number two, many paths lead into God's presence. And uh, we've all heard this down through all religions lead to God. And um, that's, of course, not true. As we sang this morning about Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, we have to handle that truth carefully, I think, when we're in the context of those who (coughs) believe that all roads lead to God. The third one's interesting. And it really affects some within, I think some evangelical churches 
God is more tolerant than he used to be. Wow. You can even think about what they want to apply that to. Number four, God has never personally suffered. Um, God doesn't, sometimes somebody say, God doesn't really understand. He really does understand. Our Savior suffered much. We will celebrate that when we come to the Lord's table. He suffered and he died for us, paying for our sins. Yes, uh, he knows what suffering is all about. God is obligated to save followers of other religions. Some people really believe that. Six, God takes no responsibility for natural disasters. Well, he does. He is in ultimate control of our world. And he allows things to happen. And, of course, the uh, forces of nature have been well affected by man's sin. So the Bible tells us all creation groans due to the um, fall of man due to sin in uh, human society. (laughs) Here's another one. It's even in some Christian circles. Maybe you've not heard this one. God does not know our decisions before we make them. I certainly do not believe that is any place in the Word of God where that can be supported. The fall into sin require. Uh, I'm pardon. I'm pardon me. The fall into sin ruined God's plan. Not so. God planned ahead. Christ was. Uh, plan to suffer and die for man's sin before the foundation of the earth certainly he knows we must choose between God's pleasures and our own and that's not true either Uh, God uh, tells us in the book of Timothy that he gives us all things richly to enjoy and we are to plan our days and the the things that we do uh, with him So that's not true. And then number 10, the 10th lie, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, You know, you're laughing. How many of you have really had somebody tell you that? Let me see your hands. Yeah. God helps. It's not true. God helps those who can't help themselves. And, uh, well, we know that from experience. We really do. So one more thing about understanding truth. We'll kind of move into the subject a little bit more. Um, Let's answer the question, what is lying? Lying is presenting what is known to be false with the intent to deceive. Lying is any deviation from the truth of God and any deviation from truth itself. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 6. We read in verses 16 through 19 that uh, there are six things that are an abomination to the Lord, six things which the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a false witness who speaks lies. It's interesting in that list of actually seven Two times, God says he hates lying. And uh, there's a reason, we'll see the reason why. 
because he's a God of truth. And he doesn't want deception in the human family. Again, a good definition of truth is truth is that which accurately corresponds to reality or fact. A true statement represents fact or the actual state of a matter. Years ago, some of you used to watch a program called Dragnet. And the Jack Webb starred as Officer Friday, and he would go in to investigate things, and he said, just want the facts, ma'am, just want the facts. And uh, truth is given accurate facts. To many in our society today, truth is relative, um, can be debated. Reality is whatever I experience it to be. Everyone is right. Nothing is absolute. And you see, because people are thinking that way, that's why they won't uh, support dealing with governments who oppress people or governments who fire rockets into other countries. Well, maybe, maybe they have the truth too. Rather than believing that God says it's wrong to murder, they won't support uh, righteousness and justice. And uh, that thinking is in our society today. The, the, the thinking is that some people believe all people are equally right. And society rejects, many in society reject absolutes. Sixty years ago, the answer to the question, what is truth, would have been relatively easy to find. You could have asked any businessman, any homemaker, any student, and they would, in one way or another, kind of point you in the right direction. They would have said that courtesy is important, loyalty, honesty, faithfulness, these things are good. Lying, cheating, stealing are definitely wrong. Ten commandments, they're on target. Golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's okay. But around 1950, a shift in our popular culture's thinking took place. And truth, which was once held to be absolute and clear, began to be perceived as relative. And many people would say things that there are no absolutes. And that's why there are people who say something that you and I know to believe evil, they would say that that is good. But didn't the Lord say very clearly through the prophet in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. When he uses the word woe, it means this is a dangerous thing to do. And woe often precedes the fact that judgment will come because of what is done. Absolute truth is that which is true for all people, for all times, for all places. And that's Josh McDowell's definition. There's an insert in your bulletin, and you will see that that is given uh, to you on the uh, insert. In other words, if something that's black, it can't be white uh, at the same time. If it's hot, it can't be cold at the same time. If it's right, it can't be wrong at the same time. And again, the standard for truth is always we understand clearly the Word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus said, set them apart through your truth 
your word is truth. Help them to realize that they belong to you, God, the Father, and set them apart by your word. And we really, as believers, we are set apart. In fact, the word church, ecclesia, means called out ones. And we who know Christ as Savior, we've been called out of this world system to belong to the Lord. Very clearly taught again in the Word of God. The unchanging reality for the believer, again, is the Word of God. It's the standard for right and wrong. And God tells us himself that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, therefore, we know since truth comes from him, truth cannot change. We looked at Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4, where God is called a God of truth. And that he is. In fact, Isaiah 45, 19, God said, I am the Lord, I speak truth, and I declare what is right. You know what's really interesting? When you're reading the Bible, you see that God the Father is referred to as the God of truth. God the Son is referred to as the God of truth. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, He came from the Father in heaven, full of grace and truth. And then, thirdly, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. And what's really beautiful is, because we know the Holy Spirit lives within us as believers... That when we're in the Word of God, which is the truth of God, the Holy Spirit who lives within us gives us understanding of what God has said in His Word. And, and that's why we say, not in a, a prideful way, but in a good sense, having clear understanding that God wants us to know about Him and how He wants us to live, we know that this works its way out. As we are in the Word of God, and the Spirit of truth helps us to understand the very Word of God. Again, because truth resides in God, his message and his revelation to God is called truth. You know, there's another passage of Scripture I want to mention just at this point. We mentioned the fact that Jesus Christ is called the truth of God. That incident that's recorded in John chapter 18, where Jesus was standing before Pilate, and uh, Pilate said to Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus said, well, you have said that. He was saying in actuality, yes, I am. And then Jesus said, I love this. I love it. John 18, 37. Try to remember this. Jesus said, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Wow. That's beautiful. Those who know Christ as Savior, who listen to the teaching of Christ, or even the entire Word of God, but let's focus back on the person of Christ. Remember Jesus talked about building one's life on the sand or on a rock. He who listens to the Word of God Builds his life on the rock, a solid foundation. This is so awesome that Jesus said, Everyone who is on the side of the truth listens to me. So those who reject Christ have a great propensity to follow things that are not true in this life and may in turn, if they don't come to Christ, lead them to life without Christ forever, without God forever.
So uh, the word of God is very clear. All truth comes from God. And it's true because it's related to God. Reality and truth exist only because God exists. Truth comes from him. John 1.3 says this clearly. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. God's truthfulness is his absolute consistency with himself. And another beautiful portion of scripture. I'm just going to read the verse. Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do it? Absolutely, yes. When God makes a promise, he fulfills and he keeps his promises. Beautiful, beautiful. God has given us his word. Psalm 119, verse 160 says, The entirety of your word is true. Uh, Sometimes you'll hear people make an argument. Well, you know... um, What you're sharing with me is in the Old Testament. Well, is it a principle that God wants for mankind, period? There's still many principles in the Old Testament that are for us today. Nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. The only reason we don't worship on the Sabbath day is because it's not repeated in the New Testament. God's Word is truth. In fact, the psalmist said, Psalm 119, 160, The entirety of your Word is true. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. So when we think of the truth of the word of God, we think of the fact that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy Spirit guided the human writers. All 66 books and the content of the 66 books is the word of God. And there are many promises in the word of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are to the glory and praise of the Father. They're awesome to the glory of God. Let's think about some of the promises. Do you know the promise that most people think of first? I'll give it to you. Where the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a great promise in the Word of God. Another one that people mention in the list, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know, that's a a great verse. And sometimes we need to share that with people who are going through real trials. That God says, I'm going to supply your needs. And he means that. And sometimes we find ourselves with people who have a a, a real need. Like a need of experiencing physical pain. Or some kind of emotional pain. But I'll ask the question and let you answer it. Here's someone experiencing tremendous emotional pain. I had prayer with someone this week. Is God able to meet that need? Yes, he has. And probably all of us could say, there were times when I had a deep emotional need. And the Lord came through for me. And yes, there was a time of struggle. But the verse is still true. The promise of God is still true. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's truth. And I'm going to mention one more real quick. Um, guidance. Psalm 32.8, the Lord said, uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way to go. I will guide you with my eye. 
What a verse. You know, what does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to pray and then to plan and then follow through. Isn't that, isn't that the procedure that we use? The Lord says, I will guide you with my eye upon you. He's watching over us. First, if we want to do something, we should go to him in prayer. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So we take our concern, Lord, should I go on this trip? Should I go to church this morning? <laughs> right? Don't we do that? We don't want to miss the pray first. And then allow the Lord to speak to us, to minister to us, minister to our thoughts. Pray, plan, and then follow through. I'm going to trust. I still remember Clayton Camp many, many years ago. He was facing surgery on the back of his neck. And uh, he called me up and said, come on over, we're going to have prayer. And I said, Just be glad to. And uh, he said, you know, I don't know if I really want to have this <laughs> surgery on the... Listen, other people have faced this too. They didn't know if they wanted to have this surgery or not. And so Clayton says, pray with me, we we got to do this. And when we finished praying... He said, you know, I got a new impression <laughs> from the Lord. I'm going to have the surgery. And the surgery went well. But boy, before he went to the Lord in prayer about it, he was very concerned um, because of some things people had said to him. Very quickly, um, Ed read for us this morning the uh, armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. And you will notice in there that the belt of truth is first in the list of the armor. That God has given to us. And I believe that the belt of truth pictures a commitment of uh, a commitment to the truth of God from us as believers. As God is true to his word, we are to be like him and we are to be true to the things that we say and what he wants us to do. I saw this and I love it and I wrote it down. Three things are included when you have the belt of truth on. Three things. Number one, we embrace the total truth of Scripture, the belt of truth. You say, you know, I'm going to live by the Word of God. There may be some things I don't fully understand, but I'm going to live by the Word of God. I like that. I really do. We embrace the total truth of Scripture. We are to speak the truth and be true to our Word. Oh, boy. Haven't you all been in a situation like I have been, where you promise to do something and then all these other things, or some other things, come along and you say, uh, should I go back on my word? And we know the answer, don't we? Does God ever go back on his word? No. Now, there can be adjustments made. I've made some adjustments through the year. But God wants us to be committed uh, to our word, uh, the things that we speak. And then uh, the third thing that was mentioned in this discussion, we must back up what we say by how we live our lives. Very important. The belt of truth. And we have to put on the belt of truth because we have a spiritual enemy, and that's Satan. Satan's a liar. But we, if we're controlled by the truth of the word of God, can have victory over him. We know what he said in his word. God has said in his word. Someone has well said, the only remedy for a lie is the truth. So when we hear a lie, 
we should ask ourselves, well, what's the truth? This doesn't sound right. What does God say in his word? What's the truth? So interesting. Quickly, before we come to the table, some truths about truth. Number one, truth brings delight to God. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom. You teach me in my heart. God delights in truth. He wants to see um, our response to others and to the uh, circumstances of life. He wants to see that honesty and that commitment to him and to his word. The truth is a way of life we can choose. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. Uh, God wants us to be very committed to doing his truth. Number three, the truth has been given to guide us. The psalmist prayed Psalm 43, verse 3. Send out your light and your truth and let them guide me. Whoa. If we're going to allow the truth of God to guide us, we may be called on sometimes to be forgiving. Someone I talked with not too long ago said, I have a friend, and this friend said, I have a real tough time forgiving other people. Just being honest. But if we're going to say, Lord, I want your truth to guide me, what does Jesus say about forgiving others? Uh, You know that number. Was it 70 times 7? So uh, what's it, 490 times and then 491 and you don't forgive. No. Jesus was saying we're to forgive completely. Your truth guides us, number three. Number four, the truth purifies us. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. The word of God has much to say about how we are to function before him in body and in thoughts. The word of God, the word of truth should be correctly handled. 2 Timothy 2.15. If you come to Awana, you can hear that every Wednesday night. As some of the groups say, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to handle the truth carefully. And I know you've heard us. All of us have heard this. We're to speak the truth in love. And sometimes the truth of God runs quite contrary to things that might be said to us. But we have to be very careful that we speak the truth in love. And of course, lastly, of course, the truth is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who shows us not only the way to the Father, but how to live before God. And uh, wow, how awesome. The Lord has taught us to love and value truth in a day when so much out there that's not true here's our standard we use the word of God guide us help us Lord to be faithful to your word let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's table at this time